Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back! We're back in the saddle again, boys. It's the A Lot of Basketball crew. We argued amongst ourselves whether we wanted to talk draft or Nick. We're going to keep it NBA draft style, people. The draft is Thursday. NBA draft. We're not going to be talking NFL this time, hopefully. And we got the guys, so let's run it. Give it all you got. Take your very best shot. And may the best team win. The time is now. The name of the game is action. We'll do rounds and pounds. We got GP, GP Smooth, Greg Poon. Greggy, how you doing, brother? Hey, Jake. What's going on? Good to be back. Representing your your Boston Eagles, you got Jerome Robinson. Maybe we'll talk about him. Maybe we won't. First Thought, pick. Quick thoughts? First overall pick. Okay. Hot takes off the bat. We'll shoot it to your big bro, Kenny Poon, Villanova repping in the draft big time this year. Ken, what's up? Yeah, Villanova's got a few more prospects than BC. We got my boy Mikhail Bridges, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, Jalen Brunson, Brunson, National Player of the Year, and Omari Spellman, all in the draft this year. So we might talk about them. I know a lot about them. Watched all the games this year, went to the national championship, so I know some stuff. First take of the episode, Omari Spellman. Is he a first-round pick? Can't go. Uh, End of the first round. Yeah, I think he could could be that, that 30th pick. All right. Well, no hot take there. Thanks, Ken. And our final correspondent, Tommy P., Tommy Pickles, the ham bone, Woogie Wugoslowski. He doesn't respond to any of those. Tom Piccolo and his Bucknell Bisons. Any Bisons in the draft, Tom? Jake, there are not a lot of Bisons in the draft. And uh, as such, I did not watch a ton of college basketball. So I'd take all my opinions with a grain of salt. I can't even spell Spellman. You're you're like the analytics guy. <laughs> nice Spellman joke. You're you're the analytics guy. We're we're saying names and faces. Greg's gonna say that guy can ball, and you're gonna say, ah, uh, his VORP says no, and we'll say, okay, <laughs> let's let's move along from that, I guess. You stole my catchphrase, but I'm still gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> the famous VORP catchphrase. Well, let's let's start. We did we did a mock. Um, and we actually we dug deeper than we normally do as if any of the Talking Yanks listeners are out there, we appreciate y'all. Talking Knicks, shout out. Um, we went around to – well, actually, you guys did all the work on this, so I'm, I'm just being a big old jerk per usual. But we went to what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different websites and reviewed their mock drafts, and we got their averages. So we've got kind of how the world is viewing these prospects, and we did our own mock draft. Let's just start at the top. Um, We'll, we'll kick it around to you, big, big Greggy. Um, let's just talk about the big six at first because everyone's kind of got them in the top five or the top six even. That's why they call them the big six. Um, Aiton, Donkic, Bagley, Jackson, Bamba, Porter. Greg, where are you on these guys? Who, who do you like? Who do you dislike? Who, what, what teams line up? What do you think? That was, a, that was a lot of questions. Yeah, baby. That's how we do it. Uh, yeah, I mean – I mean, I like Aiton. I think everybody likes Aiton. This guy's a big boy. Put up 20 and 10. 
in college as a freshman. And college twenty and ten means something. That's those are those are just not common numbers. If you're scoring twenty points, you're one of the like top fifteen scorers in the country. About that. I don't know if that's a fact, but I'm going to say it. Would be. Uh, Doncic, Kenny, that's his boy. He's He's been high on him all year. Uh, you hear legends, yeah, legends of this guy being like a young gun in Europe just running the show, so you got to assume he's something. Sounds like there's something there. Bagley, uh, ACC player of the year as a freshman. Can't knock that. Jackson's the, the wild card. He, he wasn't the star player at Michigan State, but he's just one of those guys who you say – this guy's got a body on him. He he's athletic. He's tall. He can jump. He can shoot. So he's he he seems to have the package. Uh, Mo Bamba, just a, a freak, freak of nature. Really tall. Can jump. Can got a nice little stroke to him. And then the actual wild card, even more more so than uh, Jaron Jackson, Michael Porter Jr. was uh, I think the top player coming out of high school. And just got injured, played like two games. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw him at the end of the season, but he looked like one of the worst players I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> and but but you look at this guy, he's six ten and he, he looks like he can move. He can move like a guard. Um uh, you just gotta assume if he's if he's not injury prone, which jury's still out on that, and if he is capable of playing basketball and he was just rusty at the end of the year from sitting out the whole entire season. If this guy falls, someone's getting a steal. And that's that's my rundown. I don't have the teams that they line up with. I'll let someone else handle that. Yeah, so guys, as someone who didn't watch a lot of college basketball, the thing that jumps out to me there, and I know a lot of analysts have talked about this, is just the way the NBA is right now. It has really de-emphasized the importance of big men. And you look at that top six that you just ran down there, and four out of the six are bigs. And, and two are wings, and we know like wings are so important in, in today's NBA, the two wings being Doncic and uh, Michael Porter Jr. So, six still. Uh, yeah, <laughs> big wings, but yeah, no, I mean, that's still, that's, that's particularly valuable, but I mean, I look at a guy like Aiton, like Bagley, like Jaron Jackson Jr., and, and like they all have their strengths and weaknesses, but at the end of the day, like, aren't bigs just straight up less valuable than wings at this point? How are we justifying these, these rankings? Is it just, uh, I saw Aiton put up 20 and 10 and, and, I, and that's traditionally been worth the number one overall pick. So I think the difference now, Tom, is that a lot of these bigs can stroke it, right? They're coming up in an age where all of them, maybe they're not, they're not great shooters, but they're capable shooters. And that's, that's a game changer. And, you know, I know that the game has cycled into an era when, you know, small, versatile is better, but maybe, and the Knicks tried this terribly this year, but maybe to counteract that, some teams start getting, you know, bigger players who are also versatile. So you're looking at a guy like uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. or Wendell Carter Jr., who they're bigger, they can shoot it a little bit, they can maybe play uh, some defense on the perimeter and maybe... By throwing more big bodies out there, you counteract what some of the other teams are doing going small because those small guys can't necessarily guard these big guys. So I'm not saying that that's necessarily the answer, but that could be one strategy. So here's my question. Am I the only one here who would take Doncic over Aiton with the first overall pick? I would. I'm undecided. I don't, I don't know. Noodle would. Yeah, uh, his vote is in. I mean, look, 
I mentioned I didn't watch a lot of college ball. I've said it like five times already, so that's kind of going to be my thing. But I did watch Doncic play some international ball, and like we saw him play with Goran Dragic. We saw him play against current NBA players. He went toe to toe with Porzingis, and so like he was able to to stick with him and like take it to him at points. So like I don't know. I understand like the concerns around Doncic's athleticism. But I don't know, like from what I've seen, it hasn't hampered him. He's so skilled. He's still crazy young. and He's so accomplished at this point. Like I, I just think with the way the league is going to have a big playmaking wing like that, who can shoot the three, like I, I'm going to take that every time. And I'm going to worry less about his defensive deficiencies. Cause a lot of these bigs, the knocks on them are a lack of defensive awareness. I've heard that about Aiton. I've heard it about Bagley. Um, and so, yeah, like if I have a, a big playmaking wing, I'm, I'm going to take that first overall, no question. Yeah, and Tom, I think what you're dancing around is kind of the big idea that it's it's kind of unfortunate that sports is this way because it's guys fighting for their job, but Aiton is the safest pick. Aiton is a big dude. He runs the floor good. They compare him to David Robinson. He's He's just a monster, and he can stroke it a little bit. We don't know to what degree. But if the Suns bring him in, then you start saying, okay, Devin Booker, eight and down low, we've, we kind of got the start of something. With Doncic, it is interesting because, A, I think he's the guy that really needs the king to, keys to the kingdom. I think he plays a point forward type. I've heard comparisons to Harden, which I know Greg gets going on. Um, but you're absolutely right with these. With these bigs, it's a little bit limiting risk because, and I, I don't want to take us too far from these top tier guys, but like, you know, Trey Young's obviously getting all these Steph Curry comparisons. And if you're a GM and you think you can get him there, you know, in today's NBA, shouldn't that be the pick you want to make? But at the end of the day, if Trey Young turns out to be a 35% three point shooter, now you've got a 6 2 shooting point guard who's a liability on defense. So I, I think it's a limiting risk conversation, but I I don't know. Ken, Greg? Hey, I, hey, I got a I got a good point, but I'll let Kenny go first. Right. Uh I so I was gonna say I think that Donchick is the he's the le- least risky of all of them, you know, because he's he's been playing against better competition and he's been successful. Um he was he MVP of the whatever league he's playing in. So he is proven against better competition. And I know you're saying that kind of conventional wisdom is a big guy is safer, but you know, in this day and age when they're, you know, they're doing a lot more switching and they're playing smaller lineups, is it less risky to have a big guy? Cause a lot of the times some of these big guys can't get off the end of the bench during crunch time, just because they can't chase the perimeter and you know, they can't bring the defense that you need in that situation. So I think like Tom said, having a, a playmaking wing is, you know, the safest pick. And I have heard the, you know, Harden comparisons. I've heard the Manu Ginobili comparisons. And I think that this is a guy that, you know, we're in a league where you want to have as many ball handlers on the court as possible. So I think he could play with a point guard because he has a size to defend wings. So he could play with another point guard. He can bring the ball up sometimes. The point guard can bring the ball up sometimes. If you watch the Cavs during the playoffs, LeBron was bringing the ball up every time. So like we're not in an age where there's you know huge distinction between all of the positions where the point guard is the one bringing it up and running the plays and the center is is you know down in the paint. We're in an era where everything is switchable. You know 
centers are shooting threes and point guards are playing, you know, three or four at a time. So I think that like, like uh, Tom said, I think Doncic is the, is the top pick in my mind. And uh, I also think he's a safer pick. So Greg, prove me wrong. All right. So while I agree with you guys that centers are, are becoming less valued, I think you guys are really overstating it. Uh, there's a lot of teams that play a lot of big guys. I mean, you're not going to beat the Warriors with eight. And, but I, I do not think that the team picking first overall is planning on how to beat the Warriors right now. You know, there's a lot of teams that, you know, Cousins is still a star. Porzingis was a star. Al Horford's still one of the better players on the Celtics. Joel Embiid. A lot of these teams are, are, are center-centric, if you will. Oh, wow. Wow. So, so, I mean, centers may be less valuable, but less valuable when you're trying to beat the best teams in the entire league. But I don't think everybody should be game planning for the Warriors. And I, I completely agree with that, Greg. The only thing is that, like, we're coming out of – we just watched three months of playoffs where we stopped kind of watching basketball. We've talked about it ourselves, and it was just hunting mismatches. It wasn't just the finals. It was the entirety of the playoffs. And so like, if you want to make any noise in the playoffs, like you have to be prepared to face that kind of offense where you just put teams in the pick and rolls and try and get the mismatches that you want. And, and guys like, I mean, Marvin Bagley is the perfect example. Like he's the kind of guy who just can't really defend the perimeter despite, I mean, at this point it, it's, it's tough to say that about like a 19 year old kid, but like all we can kind of go off of is, is their what they've showed so far. And like Bagley's the kind of guy you would attack in the playoffs, and it, he doesn't project to be someone who's going to be able to guard the perimeter um, later in his career. Like, so like Bagley in our mock draft, he went third to the Hawks. Greg, you picked him. What I'm, I'm just curious, like what you see in him. I've I've heard some people even argue that Wendell Carter, his teammate at Duke, is like a safer pick. Maybe he's got a, a higher basement, lower ceiling situation going, but like. I'm curious what any of you guys see in Bagley because I'm kind of skeptical. Tom, I want to dig Greg's hole a little deeper before he goes. I heard during the the draft scouting process that unnamed Duke teammates were saying that Wendell Carter was better than Bagley like all around, which the fact you could even get him to say something like that says something. So, Greg, again, try to fight out of this hole. Honestly, I think I'm on record as saying that I thought Wendell Carter was going to go before <laughs> Marvin Bagley. We but passed I just, into the wrong I just, guy. I just happened to pick Bagley before Carter in the mock draft. Can you guys verify that? I'm pretty sure I said that at one point. It looks like we passed it to Quinn Cook in the final seconds. But anyways, of the Marvin Bagley can score the basketball. I think you got a Jalil Okafor situation going on. This guy's an offensive savant, and he boards. So, I mean, people people don't look at defense enough, you know? You're not going to pick a one-way defensive player in the first round. I don't think. You're not seeing people picking Draymonds and Tony Allens in the first round, even though those are the valuable people. <clears throat> Although, Draymond does way more than play defense nowadays. And, I, and I'll say for on Greg's part, Part of Bagley's appeal to a lot of people, I think, is that he just goes out there and tries really hard. And he's athletic and he tries hard, and you know that'll get you somewhere. You know, at the very least, it's unlikely that he's going to be a terrible NBA player, right? Just because 
he's got more athleticism than a lot of people and he's got a motor to at least at the very least get boards get rebounds get tip-ins and be you know a rim running big man well i don't think he's huge but he's he could be a you know a pick and roll threat on the on the lu so i don't think you know that he could ever he's ever going to be a bust just and because then, of that motor i think that the gms are saying what are the odds that he's going to be Jalil Okafor, you know? Jalil Okafor already did that, so statistically, <clears throat> it won't happen again. They're less, sure. Yeah. Um, and I've been laughing because it sounds like from the podcast I've been listening to that the Kings are thinking about, they're leaning towards Bagley just because he's willing to send medical records and work out for them, and like so few of these top prospects are. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I think Bagley will go in the top three I think the top three in some order will be Aiton, Doncic, and Bagley. Um, and then the, the next pick on our mock was Jaron Jackson Jr. And guys, I have questions. Like, Isn't that such a Grizzlies pick, by the way? Like, okay, yeah, everyone's kind of saying that this guy should be pretty good. He's what, what we know from Michigan. I mean, he wasn't – this is a classic – I'll give the ESPN take. You know, this guy wasn't even the best player on his college team. I mean, he was mostly deferring to Bridges and, you know, Coach Izzo doing his thing at, at Mish State. Um, what What are your questions, Tom? I mean, what's his game? What What does he turn out to be? What's the, what's the player comp? Well, look, I understand that he is straight up the youngest player in the draft, and that there's something to that. But, like, he was a role player on Michigan State. He played 20 minutes a game. And and you want your top three, top four, top five pick to, to have been like the man, to have had the, the confidence, the swagger to be the man on his team. And I don't know, like Jackson, does he project? I, I know a lot of the analytics nerds that I'm, you know, pigeon, pigeonholed to be, they love this guy because of his switchability and his his ability to shoot his stroke. I, I watched some highlights. He shoots it right in front of his face. Like I can't imagine him being able to get that off with any consistency in the NBA with, with actual athletes defending him. But I, I don't know, like his ceiling to me, people are saying Al Horford ceiling. And that sounds like really optimistic to me. I, I just don't see him being anything more than a very, like maybe even an elite role player in the NBA. Wow. And there are guys, and there, there are other guys on the board with just much higher upside. So like the, again, this is a situation with Jackson where he has a high floor, like he won't be a bust. But his ceiling just isn't that high to me. And there are guys like Trey Young, like Bamba, like Michael Porter Jr., who just have much higher ceilings. I think you're looking at a a Frank Nielakina situation, Tom. You're just picking the young guy with potential. Maybe he didn't post stats last year, but he did. He he was a basketball player in in the league. So now you're going to draft him based off potential. Yeah, I'll I'll say all like the analytics that I've seen is he's just. He's a pretty complete player and you know, he doesn't, he's uh, from what I understand, he's an excellent shot blocker, um, a good defensive player. But other than that, he doesn't do anything great, but he's, he's going to be a good player for someone. So maybe it is what you're saying that he's a pretty safe pick. And you know, if he develops all this other stuff, I think he could be, you know, an all-star in this league. But again, all of this is you know, based on the the idea that he's, the youngest player in the draft and he has all you know the makings to be a great player so we'll see what happens that's what the draft's all about it's pretty intriguing a couple things that have just jumped to my mind because we 
Greg, you I'll go around the horn. Greg, you mentioned keeping up with Golden State. I think it's interesting. Oh, Noodle the Doodle thinks it's interesting too. That you know, Houston's the only team that's really tried to keep up with Golden State and Cleveland, but they've got that one LeBron guy that doesn't come to every draft. But you know, we haven't seen him run. They we haven't seen Golden State run into a complete team that has like a good big man. And we've always wondered. You know, we've seen Gobert go up against him, do something like that. It's interesting to see how these big guys are going to play out. And like you said, you you know, Tom just gave the Jaron Jackson comparison to Al Horford. I know that Wendell Carter's getting some Al Horford comparisons. There's a couple guys a little deeper in the draft, Robert Williams. And these guys do have kind of a traditional power forward center thing to them. And it's, are these guys going to be able to stick? And it basically turns into, like we touched upon, their defense. Because now if you're a big man who can't, stay with a guard after a screen, you're basically toast. You're almost useless. So I, I think we're, we're all dancing around it, but drafting bigs are scary. What, what's the line between rim protector? So like, you know, that, that's what the Suns are going to be saying. Like, oh, Aiton can protect the rim. He's a seven-footer, blah, blah, blah. But if he gets switched on to ones and twos and he, he can't do anything, like, like was mentioned, he could end up on the bench. So – I don't I, – it's a big man philosophy thing. Um, I'll pass it back to you, Kenny. And the one name that we haven't mentioned, who's the, the biggest freak big of them all, Mo Bamba. Um, yeah, you're you're seven foot with eight feet arms. Are you big enough to stay with bigs? Are you quick enough to stay with smalls? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't know why I can't get myself excited about Bamba. Like, he, he has a ceiling that's like Gobert-esque, and it – when you have a traditional big like that, you need him to be a rim protector. Like you, you need him to be able to affect shots at the rim, to be a help defender. And Bamba projects to be able to do that just with his tools. Um, you know, I, I watched all these like Draft Express ESPN videos um, that show all the the highlights and the and sort of the weaknesses and the strengths of these players. And and one of Bamba's weaknesses seemed to be like physicality and like that's just something i i need as a baseline for my bigs and that scared me with a few of these guys where they were describing them as soft they were even saying like deandre ayton kind of falls in love with his jumper and doesn't like to bang down low despite his like chiseled frame um and and that that kind of stuff really bothers me when, when you're talking about bigs like wendell carter jr is the one guy who they say like uses his body uses his frame and uh and just bangs down low Bamba to me, it, it, he really scares me. Like I, I don't know what you're getting with him. I, I, I just don't see him panning out as like a Gobert. I, I think his bust potential is really high. So Tom, I actually have ESPN analytics for bust potential in front of me. Mo Bamba, twelve percent, which is kind of middle of the pack uh, in terms of the lottery players, but he also has the lowest All Star percentage, which is seven percent. So, um. No, you're not. You're not wrong that, you know, his he has some question marks, and for me, like the biggest thing is I feel like he jumped up a lot of draft boards recently because of a video of him shooting uncontested three pointers, which always makes me nervous. Um, it reminds me of I think it was Yan Jianlian, who uh, had the workout against the chair, and everyone fell in love with him, and then he got picked pretty high and just wasn't a good player. So, you know, 
I, I think I think you're right to be concerned about him, and I, I have similar concerns about him. I think he's you know has the potential to be a good player, but uh, I think the way that he is rising up draft boards right now is kind of unwarranted, um, just because of those question marks. Like he's a he's a very thin player, and if he's going to be the one you know guarding the post, and I know we're saying people are getting away from the post a little bit, but like Greg mentioned, there are plenty of post players out there. Like I see him getting tossed around by Embiid, you know, and on the flip side. If if they're playing the Warriors, I don't think he can, you know, move Draymond Green in the post, and I don't think he can move Al Horford in the post um, offensively. So, you know, I, I think you're right that there are plenty of questions about him. Greggy, final thoughts. I mean, I think Mobamba was a a very highly touted high school prospect. I think he was top five, and he averaged a double double. And he shot almost 70% from the line, which is, I mean, college players really aren't very good at shooting free throws, if we're being honest with each other. And then this guy, he's tall, and he's got an eight-foot-long wingspan. So, again, you're, you're just drafting him, hoping he can put some meat on those bones, and then you got, you got a tree trunk in the middle of, of your defense for years to come. And I'm – Kenny mentioned – People having good workouts against a chair. I've had some bad workouts against a chair. So give give Yijian Leon some love where he deserves it. Um, we, uh, as as I mentioned, we we did our mock draft. I know Tom hinted towards Greg Love and Marvin Bagley, and Bagley backed off. We went eight in Donkage Bagley, Jackson, Bamba, Porter, um, and also was mentioned. So. The averaged out the eight websites we went to ESPN, Ringer, Bleach Report, NBA Draft.net, SI, CBS Sports, Washington Post, Sporting News. We got the averages from there. Ayton's a consensus one. Bagley, they actually have going higher than Donkic um, in most of the drafts. And again, maybe that's because they'll only share medical records. Um, Jackson, Bomba Porter. Let's let's go through the rest of this lottery. I'll I'll read what our picks were as a team. We also had uh, Chris Fujimoto involved in this, who you guys have heard from before, and Kevin McGovern, who we will rip on in a little bit. We went uh, – so seven, we went Trey Young, so Wendell Carter, Bridges, Zaire Smith, Kevin Knox, Keita Bates-Diop, which if you were wondering why we were going to yell at Kevin McGovern, we're there. Robert Williams, um, and that, that rounds out the lottery. Um in, in that kind of range, and here's a couple other guys we need to mention because <laughs> I think we would have liked to see him up there. But Miles Bridges, Kyrie Thomas, Gilgis Alexander, Sexton, and Lonnie Walker. Of, of that tier, I mean, there's like 10 players there. Who, who really jumps out to you guys, or who do you think is a good fit somewhere, or, or someone you, you feel needs more love, or someone feels you need less love? Kenny? be honest with you, Jake, I was uh, looking at this website over here, looking at some stuff, and didn't listen to anything you just said. I'll, be, I'll, I'll take it then. Proud of you. What website Greg? were you looking at? I think, yeah. think Piqueta Bates' yacht deserves less love. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Colin Sexton, that's, that's a name that's been getting thrown up there in the top ten uh, all season long. This guy was a stud. At Alabama, he he showed that he can lead an actual basketball team. He hit some game winners in the – he hit one game winner in the SEC tournament. And then he, he just – he looks like he shows up. And uh, I know Kyle 
College is a different team. Three versus five victory. A bunch of guys fouled out. No? You guys don't watch college basketball? I remember yeah. that game. I, I missed the first part. I'm pretty sure Kenny deferred on his turn, and I was supposed to talk. <laughs> uh, anyways, so he end up college is a different game from from uh, from the NBA, and maybe Sexton is like a Shabazz Napier where he's he's got the college game. He can dominate, but it won't translate. But, you know, Shabazz shot up to the first round. And Sexton doing it as a freshman, that'll shoot him up into the top ten, I think. Well, maybe LeBron will say he wants Sexton. You never know. Exactly. And that'll get that'll put him at number eight, right? That's where the Nets are. Yeah. So, so Jake, Jake, on on your pick, you for number seven, you took Trey Young to Chicago, and I gotta say, I, I just watched a bunch of film of his strengths and weaknesses, and I love him. Like, I think he's gonna be really good, and. He's exactly where the league is going, I think. I mean, the, obviously with the off-the-dribble shooting, but not just that. It's really his, his playmaking, too. He, he led the nation in assists. Like I, People are, are concerned about his defense, and that's fair, but do you know how many point guards are horrible at defense? Like Dame Lillard, Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook's bad at defense, and it doesn't stop them from being really productive players. So I'm not saying Trey Young is going to average a triple-double and be the default MVP of the league, but... I, I mean, <laughs> I, I just, I'm so impressed with his ability to, to shoot off the dribble, to come off screens, to, to like dribble, not necessarily in traffic because he's so slight. He kind of gets bumped off the, his spot a lot. But, I mean, he, you got to think he's going to bulk up a little. I mean, all the, like, think how skinny Mike Conley Jr. was coming out of high school or coming out of college. He was tiny. And now he's doing just fine. So, like, I, I just think Trey Young has real superstar potential. And he's just, I think, He's going to make some team really happy if he falls to seven. So I think this uh, maybe it was something that Greg used to say. Maybe it was you, Tom. Maybe it was you, Jake. I don't know. But someone used to say there's a difference between being bad at defense and not being capable of playing defense. And I think his, with his you know, size and you know, is just kind of frail um, – body size like i just don't know that he is capable of being a good defender in this league and i agree kenny i I agree that he's probably incapable of playing good defense i just would question like how important point guard defense really is like i mean curry isn't a bad steph curry isn't a bad defender but he's the weak point of the warriors defense like the the point guard the point guard's defense is not nearly as valuable as the wing defend the wing defense, the the rim protection from the bigs, like that's really what saves a defense. That's what makes a defense good. Like, look at the Spurs always have a top ranked defense. The Celtics had a top ranked defense with Kyrie, with Tony Parker or Patty Mills. Like, it doesn't matter that much to me. I don't think it's just nearly as valuable as having strong uh, defenders in the in the front court. Hey Ken, you know who said that? <clears throat> it was Jeff Hornacek. He said, "I don't think the Knicks are capable of playing good defense." So. Oh, that's harsh. He said that when they had Derrick Rose. Yeah. And then and that was the coach of the basketball team. Yeah, it's pretty rough. So think about that. Yeah, I wish I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. And now he's now he's gone and fired for good reason. <laughs> yeah. Kenny, Kenny, I'm gonna send one send one at you, so get off your other websites. But I last year everyone was stoked about the point guard class. It was Fultz, Lonzo Ball, De'Aaron Fox. Frank Nitty, Dennis Smith, everyone was talking about how these were going to be kind of next-level guys. 
Call me crazy. Call me maybe. I'm looking at Trey Young, Sexton, uh, Gilgis Alexander. I think he's a total wild card. He showed some great games, but I don't know. When when you compare Colin Sexton to De'Aaron Fox for me, I kind of like Sexton. I think Fox is a little a little quicker, but I think Sexton has a little more developed jump shot at this point. And I mean, what what did he go last year? Fox went five, and we in our mock draft, Sexton slipped a little bit because we saw some some fit misses. Fit misses is that a phrase? But Ken, what do you comparing the point guard classes from the last two years? I think 2017 had more bodies, like I just mentioned. But I don't know Se- Sexton and Trey Young. These guys could be r- really good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I still. I don't. I don't know if I agree with you on De'Aaron Fox over over uh, or Colin Sexton over De'Aaron Fox. I think you know Fox is still a young player, and he showed flashes last year. Um, again, he had the misfortune of being drafted by the Kings. So, you know, in another situation, maybe he's already an All Star. Who knows? Um, but but I, I'm on the record as not being a huge Colin Sexton fan. Um, Part of that is that uh, I think he got a technical against Villanova in the round of 32 when his team was down like 30 points after Mikhail Bridges had just scored like 20 points in a, in a five-minute span, and he just started talking start talking that crapola to uh, Mikhail and got a tech. So that's part of my bitterness. Um, but the other thing is he's another guy that, you know, they say he could be a great defender, but he's just – so slight of frame that you know maybe he grows he grows uh, into his body a little more and you know puts on some muscle but right now he's he's you know not not big enough to for me to be confident that he'll be end up being a great defender and he has a decent shot but you know I would prefer that you know my my point guard be a, a better shooter so you know there's that, and then we we talked about Trey Young. I again, I have concerns about defense, but I, like Tom, I think that offensively he has the potential to do something special. Um, I know there's all there's been, you know, the for all the people that say there's Steph Curry potential, there's also people that say, you know, there's Jimmer, there's Buddy Heald, um, but I think Trey Young is closer to Steph than to those other guys, um, and he's also much younger than any, any of those guys. I know uh, Curry, I think went. Went four years. Uh, Buddy Heald went four years. Jimmer Fredette went four years. Trey Young um, is a freshman, and he also, I think, led the country in, in assists. So he's not just a shooter; he has the ability to pass. Um, I know his his assists or his uh, turnovers were high late in the season, but that's because you know he was passing to college players instead of NBA players, uh, and he was also forcing a lot of shots. Maybe shot selection is an issue, but he has the capability to hit shots. So I do think he he. Is you know going to has the potential to be a special offensive player. Again, I worry about the defense, um, but overall, you know, I I would still take last year's um, point guards over this year's just because there's whenever you get to the draft, there's, there's always optimism. You know, we're always saying that this guy's going to be the next great thing, and every year, you know, of the top ten picks, how many of them end up being all stars? You know, one or two. So. Um, I, I think it's easy to get excited about this and get, uh, as Tom would say, your rose-colored glasses on uh, for prospects. But um, I think it's it's you know tougher to compare people who were drafted previously with uh, without getting that kind of bias towards the recency. 
Well, look, I want to come at you guys with uh, – I'm kind of going to beat a similar drum to the one I did before about wings because there's a player here that I think is a little controversial in this group that I really like, and that's Kevin Knox out of Kentucky. He uh, He's a full year younger than Michael Porter Jr., which is surprising to me. He's 6'9". He's got a 7-foot wingspan, and he can – he can catch and shoot a bit from three. He can he can pull up off the dribble, more mid-range style. He kind of reminds me of Rudy Gay a little bit. And, you know, Rudy Gay kind of got knocked for his shot selection a little bit throughout his career and maybe maybe even his defense. But, I mean, if we're talking about in the, the, nine, the 9, 10, 11 range, like, I honestly wouldn't be upset if the Knicks took a wing. Like, I am, I'm all in on wings right now. If it, if it were down to Mikhail Bridges or Knox, I'm curious what you guys think uh, from the Knicks' perspective because I, I, I like trying Frank at the point guard. I don't think that they need to, uh, to pick another point guard unless Trey Young falls to them. Then that might be – for me, that's worth it. That's worth taking that flyer. But um, I assume Young's going to be picked before then. So, yeah, uh, I'm curious what you guys think the Knicks should do given the uh, the options that they'll most likely have. So we're talking Wendell Carter Jr., Mikael Bridges, Kevin Knox, those guys. What, what, how do you guys think the Knicks should, should play this one? I think my, my one knock on Knox. Oh, that's twice today. Is that he when, – when you think of Kentucky, I think you think – I personally think Gilgis Alexander was, was the guy. And that may be more so that – that he was the one who was balling out in the SEC tournament and in the NCAA tournament. As it turns out, Kevin Knox was actually the leading scorer on the team. But, you know, you get you get end of the year is the last thing you remember. And Alexander, or Gildish Alexander, is the guy on Kentucky in my head. And the second thing is that this Kentucky team was not a typical Kentucky team. They lost 11 games. <clears throat> so, you know, how, how good are these Kentucky guys, you know? Plus, we we hate Kentucky to begin with, so we don't want him on our on our team. And that being said, Kenny, why are we picking Mikael? Oh, you guys know I was going Mikael this whole time because he's my boy. Um, so I think the the big thing about Mikael is, you know what you're getting, you know. And people are looking at that as a negative because he's uh, he's 22, so people think you know he has no room to develop, which I think is kind of crazy because once you get into the NBA. You're still only 22. You have room to develop. You're going to be on an NBA schedule. You're going to be with NBA trainers. And so you have more upside. For Knox, what are you hoping for? Because right now he's not the player that Mikael Bridges is. So he's going to go in next year, and I, I can just about guarantee you that Mikael Bridges will have a better season. And I think your hope is that Knox, on, a, on your average scenario, ends up being Mikael Bridges, right? He ends up being a guy who can defend multiple positions and hit open threes. Like maybe you have more upside, but you also have the chance that he never reaches Mikhail Bridges. So it just seems like a safer pick to me uh, to take Mikhail just because you know what you're getting. And he's a plug and play player that can play in any system. He's a guy that, you know, we, we took Frank as a project and, you know, I'm not, I don't know if we're comfortable having, you know, three or four guys that were, were working to develop or if it would be, you know, at least in my opinion, it would be better to have, you know, some guys that are just, ready to play. So like right now we have Moutier, maybe we try to develop him. We have Frank, we're, we're definitely trying to develop him. And, you know, we have a bunch of like flyers on guys like Troy Williams and that, you know, maybe we're trying to develop. And I think it would be useful to have a guy that's just there. He's good. He's capable. And he's, 
old for the drafts, but not old for the NBA. He's still very young. So that's my two cents. So I'm not surprised that Kenny went with the Villanova guy. Jake, Obviously. I want to hear your take. Who, who are you taking if you're the Knicks? I'm, I'm not a huge Knox guy when, when we're talking that those wings. Um, Miles Bridges has to get mentioned too. A lot of people like him. Um, I think between, I mean, Knox and Michael Bridges, I don't think that's a conversation. I think it's Bridges. He, he has incredible length. I don't think Knox has the athleticism. You, you mentioned Rudy Gay, and it could just be my UConn bias, but Knox is nowhere near the athlete a young Rudy Gay was. The player comp that I saw with Knox that I actually liked, and it almost made too much sense to me, was Tobias Harris, who I think they're both kind of that awkward small forward power forward that used to be shunned upon. Now it totally has a role in this league. But at the same time, have we seen Tobias Harris – do what Tobias Harris does in important games that really matter. Um, you know, we've seen him get buckets for the Magic Pistons and Clippers in some games and usually losing. So I don't want that to be a huge knock on Tobias. I like Tobias. I think Bridges just has a much a much bigger realm of what he can become. What's a what's a good comp for for Mikhail Bridges? I, I mean, uh, a Falcon, his, his arm, <laughs> nuts. Um, Robert, I'm going to go with Robert Covington, except a little bit better. Robert Covington, you know, Chris Middleton, the, the very poor man's Kawhi. Was that Otto Porter, the very poor man's Kawhi Leonard. Like that's like that. That's Kawhi Leonard is the dream scenario. The 1% chance that he makes it to that level because he's, you know, a long versatile defender who can shoot some, um, but hasn't developed the the one on one game. So Covington's the a fair a fair comp, um, and those other guys I said. But you know, just a a defensive guy who can shoot at the at the core, you know, and with the still the possibility that he develops into some other um, other skills in the NBA. I mean, it is it is tough for the Knicks not to go too long on them, but like we we like to talk Knicks, like talk the Knicks crew their biggest need is a wing. And by the time you get to nine, the really good wings are usually taken, right? Like they're, it's such a valuable position and most teams need wings. So like, you know, the perfect wing is not usually just sitting there at nine. So I, I don't know. I'm going to be fascinated with how the Knicks pick. Um, yeah. I, I like Mikel Bridges. Ken, you've talked to me, you've kind of brainwashed me into him over the, sure. the months. Um, yeah. But I, I'm telling you, like, just Knox's youth is still intriguing to me. Like I said, full year younger than Michael Porter Jr. Like, he's a baby. He's got he's shown some real skill. Um, and so yeah, I, I'm I'm between those two. I think because I'm I'm pretty set. Like I said, if Trey Young doesn't fall, I'm pretty set on taking a, a wing. All right, you don't you're not thinking about Wendell Carter, Tom. I, I don't think so. Like, first of all, I like his game, and I. I might like his game more than Bagley, like I mentioned before. I just, I, I love that he grabs rebounds. I mean, just like goes after him. Um, and so, like, as a replacement for Cantor, I, I could see him and, and KP getting along okay together. It's just, I'm, I'm low on bigs right now. Like, I don't, K, KP is going to be a, a perfect five in the years to come. If he can stay healthy, he protects the rim, he still, he like, He's a great rim protector, an elite rim protector. 
he can move his feet a little bit on the perimeter. But, you know, the the risk of, of having him out there and getting exposed on one-on-one defense isn't doesn't outweigh his rim protection. And plus he stretches the, the floor um, as a stretch five. So I don't want too many centers on the roster, like, stopping up minutes when when kp could be taking those yeah i see it um <clears throat> i think i think kenny has said it before but if if Cantor could play defense he'd be a great fit next to porzingis and i mean if you get a big like carter who who can play defense maybe it might be pretty safe i don't know if you're not gonna win the championship with with wendell carter and porzingis getting a lot of time but like i've said Nick shouldn't be trying to compete with the Warriors right now, you know? And, and look, Greg, if uh, if Carter is able to keep Porzingis from getting injured by, like, allowing him not to have to bang with, with bigger bodies and, like, get worn out during the regular season, then I'm all for that, for that strategy. Um, it's just, like, when games do matter, I think Porzingis is going to be who you want at center. And, like, it's tough to just to use the number nine pick on someone who you don't think will be – a part of your closing five potentially. But I, I mean, I think I like Wendell Carter a lot actually. And um, you know, like Greg said, there are some holes in Cantor's game that don't really fit with, with Porzingis. And I don't think that Carter has those holes. You know, the things that I particularly like about him is he's shown a do- decent ability to shoot from three, which Cantor's been working on. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. He's a good shot blocker, which Cantor, despite his size is not, and, you know, from everything that I've read, he has, you know, quick lateral movement, quick feet, and, you know, the potential to grow into a, uh, you know, more per- perimeter-oriented big. So if, if he develops into a player who can, you know, block shots when he's defending down low or, you know, guard the perimeter when Porzingis is down low, then that's a very valuable guy to have next to Porzingis. And it, it's like I said before, it gives you size uh, to throw at the other team on offense. So you have two big guys who can who aren't liabilities on defense and who, you know, you're forcing the other team to guard. So I think that that would create, you know, pretty good mismatches, but again, this is all hypothetical because the Knicks tried to go big this year and it went terribly. And this is all based on, you know, Wendell Carter being able to to guard the perimeter some and Porzingis being able to guard the perimeter some, which you know, hasn't happened yet, but it's a possibility with Carter. And, you know, that's that's something that I, I would be intrigued at seeing. I think uh, also that I'm sure we can all agree that the Knicks pick is going to be made for them in some sense, since a lot of these guys are coming off the board well before well before we're picking. And that's we we started getting a lot into fit and who's going to be available there, and I I I want to spin it back there. Kind of, kind of the to the teams, and we we didn't really talk about this. So part of this speech is going to be me uh, dragging it out, so you guys can think of an answer. But what's what's a team, whether it's player fit or who's going to be available, or a team that you're really circling that you're interested in who they're going to pick? Mine's a little bit of a cop out. I'm gonna I'm going Clippers, just because they have 12 and 13 back to back, but. Like I was, we mentioned kind of the tiers before I mentioned the six, and then I mentioned those other like 10 or so guys I like. I think the Clippers right now, they don't have any like franchise cornerstones. I think at 12 and 13, they're going to be able to take literally the top guys available on their board who they like. 
Um, like again, in our mock draft, we had Sexton slip Sexton and Lonnie Walker. You could start building a backcourt that way. Uh, whichever one of the wings or big slips, I'm just really excited to see what they do. A lot of teams are talking about them packaging those and move up, which would also be cool. But if I'm, if I'm the Clippers, I'm probably standing pat and seeing what drops them because, Hey, you know, if Tom mentioned Kevin Knox, I'm sure some teams have him above Mike Mikael Bridges. I mean, you, if you end up with Knox and Sexton or, you know, a lot, Robert Williams, who's to say he's not better than Wendell Carter. And like Greg just mentioned with the Knicks, you almost, <laughs> you have the other teams taking out the risk for you. Like, okay, those, those 11 guys are going to be out of here. We love these two guys. Let's roll it. Um, so that being said, Greggy, do you have a, a team or team or player fit that you you're keeping your eyes on? So one team I'm keeping my eyes on is the wizards, the wizards, uh, their big thing these past couple of years is just absolutely no depth whatsoever. Um, uh, last year they, they were in a dog fight with the, with the Celtics. They went to game seven in the second round, I think. And then Kelly Olynyk went off and won the game, which is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, but people forget that this was a very good team two years ago. And then this past year, um, maybe they lost in the first round, but John Wall was injured for a significant period of time. And there were stretches where they looked good. So, I mean, next year, who knows where LeBron is? The Wizards could be coming back. They could be another uh, a, a contender in the East again, if you will. Maybe a contender, top four seed, whatever you want to call it. What, what happens in the East if LeBron's not there is, is anyone's guess. Um, so if if they pick I, – I don't know. What do they need? They need a, a backup point guard. A, a, they need a poor, power forward. They just need something. They, they got three starters who, who you trust. John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, and then Morris and Gortat are, are more wild cards at this point. So, I mean, if Robert Williams falls to the, the Wizards, then – that's a big time pick. I mean, I hate to steal your your Robert Williams get. You're good. But I think that'd be a good fit. Kenny. So uh, the team I've I'm kind of been looking at a little bit is the 76ers, just because I'm not sure what direction they go. You know, they have Ben Simmons, they have Markel Fultz. No one knows what's going on with Fultz, so like they probably don't need a point guard. If a point guard, if, you know, say Trey Young or Colin Sexton falls in their lap, do they take them? I don't know that they do just because they have those other guys. And at, on the same time, at the same time, if a big falls to them, because we've been talking about, you know, this is a big base draft, do they take that guy? Because they have, you know, Saric and they have uh, Embiid and they have all of these guys who their their game – well, not all of these guys, but they have Fultz and Simmons, whose games are predicated upon you know driving and passing, and you already have Embiid there. So I'm just not sure what direction they go with. I feel like uh, kind of their dream scenario is is the Mikael Bridges um, pick because that's a that's a safe pick where you have a wing. You know, he does a lot of the stuff that Robert Covington has, but you can never have enough wings, as Tom would like to say, um, playing defense. So. If if Bridges isn't there and he falls and the Knicks take him, I'm not sure which direction that uh, that Philly goes with. And Bridges is the hometown guy. Yep. Philly, represent. And you had a fun fact about that, Tom, didn't you? Yeah, I think I was listening to Woj's pod, Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast, and he said that uh, 
that Mikhail Bridges' mother is like the head of HR for the group that owns the 76ers. So a little nepotism creeping in there. Whoa. Whoa. Tom, Tommy, nepotism aside, what, what team are in, or unless you want to work some more nepotism in, we're, op- we're open arms. But what, what's a team or player fit or something that, that's got your eye? I am really looking to see what Memphis does with its fourth pick. Um, I think we sent that tweet around between the this group here about uh, Bill Simmons had tweeted about the Grizzlies last like 10 to 12 years, their draft history and just how atrocious it looked. And it was, it was pretty, pretty brutal. And uh, the guy who makes those picks, their GM, I think is Chris Wallace. I believe he's still in charge of doing that. So they haven't moved on from him despite this horrible track record. And I'm telling you what, like there was some talk that Doncic, like his draft stock had really fallen the last few days, that there was a chance that he might fall to to Memphis. There was even some talk of him falling to Dallas, which would be a no brainer. I mean, him, Rick Carlisle, and Dirk, that'd be that'd be just a joy. But um, like to me, I think like we said before, it's probably going to go Aiton, Bagley, Doncic. I saw uh, Woj just tweeted 15 minutes ago that uh, Doncic has moved to the forefront of Atlanta's internal conversation on the third pick. So I don't think there's going to be much of a chance of Doncic falling past the top three. And with that being the case, like I just don't know what Memphis is going to do. Like, are they just so scared to whiff on another one? Are they going to go for someone who could like, you have to remember that Mike Conley Jr. is going to be back. Like Mark Gasol is back for another year. That's, that's a duo that has always won 50 games when healthy. Their their owner just came out the other day and said, we think we're a 50-win team, which is pretty ludicrous. But, I mean, sure. you just don't know. You don't know when, when those guys are healthy. Are they going to look for high superstar potential with, like, a Michael Porter Jr. or a Trey Young? Are they going to go with a with a safer pick like a Jaron Jackson Jr. or a Mo, maybe even a Mo Bamba? I, I, I have no idea what, what the Grizzlies are going to do. I'm really curious to see how they how they play it. And, Tom, I think that the answer to your question is something that we haven't talked a lot about, and I think that they've been looking to package that that pick. If, if Doncic doesn't fall to them as, I think, the most win-now player in this draft, then, I'm, you know, you read on Twitter, you read on Reddit that they're looking to, to move that for someone who can help them win now. So... You know, well, I think you're right that that is an interesting spot because if they move down, then that changes the entire rest of the lottery as far as you know who's available and who teams take. So I like that idea, Kenny. I think, yeah, if if your guy isn't there at four, I mean, the four is just on its face. It's a very valuable pick. There are a lot of teams who I think would talk themselves into like who've probably fallen in love with Jaron Jackson Jr. and uh, or maybe they want to jump up and take a flyer on, on Michael Porter Jr. But if, you know, if the Grizzlies think that maybe Wendell Carter Jr. or even Mikael Bridges is their guy, then yeah, there's no use taking those guys at four. Just uh, try, try and get some more assets out of it. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, and I uh, this, this is going to shock you guys. I loved everything you guys just said. I think Memphis is in a total kind of pickle. Like everyone likes those top three and then they have Deonta Davis from Michigan State, who's kind of <laughs> Jaron Jackson just two years later and are, arguably hasn't panned out. Um, Kenny, what you said, I mean, we, we're not going to get into the whole Philly GM situation, but that's I wish we got into that. still a thing. 
And the big, uh, the only add-on to your Philly thing would be, man, with those young guys and their developing, you draft someone at 10. Now, are you getting into the player you drafted development? Are you slowing down the guys you already have going? So, so that's crucial. And Greg, everyone already forgot what you said about the Wizards. Um, said the Wizards used to be good. They just sucked last year. No, you're you're absolutely right. It it seems every playoff time we look at the Wizards and say if they had one more like serviceable human body, they'd be good. Um, shout out to Kelly Oubre. But um, let's I we're we're starting to starting to wind down a little bit. I think you know we're we're gonna post our whole mock draft if you guys want to look at this. I think player wise is is where I'd like to go, um, and just. Give me one player that you're bullish on, one player you're lower on. We'll spin it back uh, reverse style. We'll go Tommy first. One one guy you like more than, than you've seen around, one guy you like less than you've seen. So I've said a couple that I like that I'm high on Kevin Knox, I'm high on Trey Young. Um, you know, one guy who does intrigue me is Zaire Smith. Um. Am, am I saying that right? I know Fuge in the mock took him 10th overall. With, He's a Philly fan. Yeah, and Fuge, uh, I told Fuge we were doing this, and he said he has a 6 a.m. flight, so he's not going to be able to make it. But he wanted to let you guys know that the reason he took him there was he likes his defensive pot- potential and athleticism. So there you go. Well, so, that, so he's a 6'5", almost 200-pound guard. Like he, he didn't put up stats like he, at texas tech he, he put up 11 points per game five rebounds less than two assists but i mean just the, the six five model of like a, of an off guard it seems like he uh he can kind of be like a secondary playmaker um he only shot one three a game but he he nailed it at a 45 percent clip so that's it's promising that he he is the potential to shoot the ball um i don't know like I like just bigger guards like that. Like that's the kind of thing that reminds me of Frank Frank Nielakina, uh, the the defensive potential, the length, the the athleticism. I think top ten is is a little high for me, but um, I mean just just after like early post lottery in the in the fifteen sixteen range, sure. I think I think that's a great pick. Kenny Poon, who do you like? Who don't you like? So um, I'm going to stick to my just kind of general, um, you know, philosophy and just talk about Villanova people. Uh, Jalen Brunson hasn't gotten much love like in the, in the end of the first round. And I, I think when the, the mocks first started happening at the end of the season, he was a guy that was you know, considered to be a guy that you would take at the end of the first round. And I think that he's, you know, going to be a good player in this league. I don't think he's going to be a star, but I think he, he's going to be a solid player. And, you know, watching Villanova or watching him at Villanova for the last three years, he's just a very calming presence. And he's just a guy who knows how to play basketball. And at some point, that's what you need. So I think he could be, you know, a starting, a starting point guard on some teams, but a very valuable backup on other teams. And, you know, he just brings a very interesting skill set. He's a great shooter. And one thing that he does that you know, I don't know that I've I've ever seen any other guards do is he's a bigger guard, and if he get, if he has another guard on him that you know is smaller or skinnier or something, he'll take him into the plo- post and play inside out. So he's a great passer out of the post. He's a great passer in the half court, and I just think he's he's going to be 
he doesn't make mistakes. So he's going to be a very valuable player in this league, and I think he's going to be in the league for a long time. Again, hey, wait, wait, wait. To go with that, good fit for the Golden State Warriors. That'd be a good go. pick. Wow. Um, yeah. I don't think Sean Levinson's not going to survive his contract. He's got another year after this year, and then as repeat offenders of the luxury tax, that that uh, that luxury tax is going to explode when uh, Kevin Durant's about to sign a bigger deal. Clay Thompson's a free agent after next year. They're going to re-sign him. And then, boom, the number after next season, or after two years from now. After next season, it's going to be huge. But two years from now, it's going to be absolutely unbelievable, and they're going to need a new backup point guard. And Draymond wants that Supermax. And yeah. he will, Draymond will not be getting a Supermax. Um, I agree with Greg on both those things. Cause, yeah, and uh, I, don't, I don't remember his numbers, but Great shooter too, so that'll that'll fit in with the Warriors. Great shooter, good passer, doesn't make mistakes. You know he and he can he can pass it from anywhere. It's kind of kind of like the Draymond Green situation, um, where you know he's a good post passer, and the way that the Warriors cut, that's a valuable valuable skill. Um, in terms of players that I I you know don't really like, I I feel like I already talked about it before, but the guy that I had in mind was was Colin Sexton, who you know I'm. I'm not completely sold on him. Um, I think, like I mentioned earlier, that one of his his top skills that people talk about is his potential to play defense because he has a lot of you know length and things. But I don't think he has the size or the build to to do that yet. And maybe he grows into it. I'm just not comfortable at this time that that's definitely going to happen. All right. Hey, I got two that I like. Um, I already I already mentioned briefly Robert Williams, but. He did a windmill in back-to-back NCAA tournament games, so I'm all in on him. Um, Smart. Then we haven't talked much about him. I know we've said a couple of things, but Miles Bridges is a freak, freak athlete, and uh, we're talking wings. You want a wing that's a freak, you know? This guy was the leader on the team as a freshman and as a sophomore. Maybe he didn't show the development as a sophomore, but his stats were still good. I think the problem was that he balled so hard as a freshman that, you know, when you you have just a regular good sophomore season, people don't realize how good you are and appreciate it. So I'm high on both those guys. Um, hate to say it, but I'm sorry, Tom. I, I just don't really like Trey Young. I, I just – I don't like short guards, and I think he's short. Colin Sexton also pretty short. Um, I want my point guards to be 6'7", to be honest, but I'll, I'll settle for six. Six three, and Frank, I don't think either of them fit that mold. Frank just got uh, bumped up to six six. I think I don't know if you guys saw that. All right, so yeah, he can almost be my point guard. Yeah, huge. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you brought up Miles Bridges because uh, he he is a freak, and he's another guy that I, I like a lot. And you know, I, I don't remember what the talk was last year, um, but I feel like he was a he was a you know, mid lottery pick if he went last year. So. I think that's right. Yeah. So, you know, it's tough that one year later we're looking at him like towards the end of the lottery. Uh, but I think he's definitely got that potential to be a, a, a very good player in this league. Yeah, and I don't know if it's a Michigan State thing. And I don't think he'll be anywhere close defensively. But I think his offensive game, he's it reminds me of Draymond a little bit, which I know Draymond fully lost his shot. But Bridges has been handling the ball. He rebounds. He runs a court. Um, I'm glad he got brought up. Tom, I know you, you gave some love to players. Is there anyone you want to <laughs> poop on before we wrap it up? 
Yeah, I really, I, I really don't like Keita Bates' job. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Mostly because he ruined our whole mock. Nice. Um, yeah, should we give the people that caveat? So, so just to explain what happened, we were doing a mock draft, picking who we liked. But I think a lot of us were picking like what we really thought was going to happen with like on the side, also what we kind of liked. We were mixing it together. But my friend Kevin McGovern just straight up just picked a guy he, he liked. Like, but like, like maybe he knows the guy. <laughs> he just picked him way too early. Picked Kata Bates' job as, as the 12 pick. I think uh, on the eight sites we averaged out, he was like the 25, 26 pick. He did the same thing. For the Wizards. Did the same thing with Kyrie Irving Jr., Kyrie Thomas. Um, and so that just messed up our entire mock draft, to be honest with you. And that had people slide in as, as people didn't react. We had Colin Sexton slide all the way down to like 17 or something just because people were like, he's still there? I thought he was picked number one. But, you know, We, we were still reeling. We were still reeling from McGovern's picks. It was like he was picking like they were his last picks, like he wouldn't get another one. (laughs) (laughs) They were so shocking that, honestly, people just forgot who was available. And it it really kind of threw a wrench in the whole thing. But, uh, you know, we'll still share it with everybody, with the listeners. We had fun. At the same time, I'm going to put the pro spin on it. And you that happens at a draft sometimes. You you don't think a guy's going to be there, and you've already talked yourself in other players. So it, all it takes is one GM to fall in love with someone. It won't be K to Bates Diop. But um, I think a lot of the names, I, hey, Jake. We, we see it every year at the draft. Like, Could there be a GM out there that loves Jay Gilgis Alexander? Absolutely. Jake, who was – Who's the DN that dropped to the Broncos? It could be like that. They said the Broncos had a trade. Bradley Chubb. Broncos were trading that pick. Bradley Chubb drops, and they're like, uh, never mind. And that's and that's that's always the beautiful, and it's why why I love the draft. There's so much smoke and mirrors, and you know, like like I would I I shouldn't say I would love because I don't want it to be mean to the kid. But like we just talked about Jaron Jackson, like nothing fully excites us on him, yet we're excited about Trey Young, Mikael Bridges, Wendell Carter, Porter. Like, you know, someone like that could slip because it could just be teams being like, oh, yeah, we really like that guy. And then draft night happens and they're like, no, give me give me someone else. Trey Young can shoot. So I don't know what any what, what do you guys have closing thoughts and what, what else do we need to cover? I didn't even get to talk about the rest of my Villanova guys. Oh, so man. I'm, I'm going to spend the next two hours telling you guys about Dante DiVincenzo and Omari Spellman, if that's Here cool with you. No? Uh, I, I've, you know that's cool with me because I've got nothing going on. I think the other boys will get mad at you. All right, so I'll, get, I'll give you the quick synopsis. Uh, <laughs> DiVincenzo, uh, I think he's going to be a good player. I think right now he's a little overhyped. Um, he is a good shooter. He is very athletic. And what you will hear on the draft is that he is deceptively athletic because he's white. But in reality, he's just a freak athlete. I think at the combine, he had the highest vertical and the highest max vertical. So at that point, you just call someone athletic. Um, good shooter. Uh, I think my problem with him was he was occasionally just sloppy with the ball. Uh, and if you look at ESPN's analysis of him, one of the things they say is that he doesn't turn it over, which I can assure you is not true. Uh, if you go watch the 
it's it's a little bit of an outlier, but if you watch the tape from the West Virginia game, he he looked completely lost, and he spent you know the entire game just passing it to the other team, which is a problem because you don't want to do that because you want your team to score instead of the other team. Uh, but Frank, um, Frank Nielakina offense is what they the call Frank, that. Yeah, that is what the, that is what Frank did for a lot of this season. Is occasionally he just dribble it up and then pass it to the other team. And that's what uh, that's what DiVincenzo did against a very good West Virginia defense. Um, but he was much better in the national championship, and they won. And you know, I think that was probably that was an aberration. But also, the West Virginia game was an aberration. So I think he's somewhere between those two. And I think it'd be, he'll be a good player. Um, Omari Spellman's an interesting case because you know I thought he had no chance of going to the NBA after uh, the tournament, but apparently he he tested well. He's a bigger body. Um, he was suspended for one season because he started high school too early. He started high school and then he reclassified as an eighth grader. And then because of that, four years later when he went to college, they said he had to sit out a year, which makes no sense to me. But if he hadn't sat out, they probably won the net, would have won net last year's national championship too. But we'll get into that another time. Um, he's a very good shooter. I think sometimes he falls in love with a jump shot a little too much and he doesn't go into the post enough. Um, he's an okay defender, not a great defender. I think, you know, the dream is for a lot of teams that he ends up as a Draymond Green type because he is a big body who can guard the perimeter a little bit, but also bang in the post, shoot threes, and uh, block shots. So that's my rundown on those guys in case uh, you wanted a, the insider information. Hey, all right. Jumping off of that, I'm going to go with uh, Jerome Robinson. Hey, Guys, so Marvin Bagley came in first place for ACC Player of the Year. Who came in second place? Jerome Robinson. Jerome Robinson of Boston College. Pretty unbelievable. Team didn't even make the NCAA tournament. He just balled out. He scored 20 a game this year, off coming off of uh, scoring 18 a game as a sophomore. So, I mean, this guy could score the basketball. He averaged 23 and 3. 20 space, 3 space, and 3. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, he's a good player. Uh, apparently, he's been flying up draft boards. We were hoping to have him back so we could make the NCAA tournament for the first time since, I don't know, I was in high school, which was eight years ago. Jared so, Dudley? Yeah, something like that. It's, times are tough. But, you know, go BC. Go Jerome. Hopefully, the Knicks uh, – I mean, I don't want the Knicks to pick you, but hopefully someone high picks you. Tom, you got any bison for us? Yeah, we just got three blind scouting reports, Tom. If you got something you want to go in on, give it. Man, give that it, made man. me wish that the Villanova players were a little higher on the mock draft. Like, that was some some bottom-heavy analysis there Thanks. at the end of the first round. Um, but, I mean, Kenny, Kenny knows his stuff. One, one guy I like is, is Troy Brown. Uh, I, don't ha- I don't have much about He's him. A, he didn't go to Bucknell. No, he went to he, – where'd he go? UNLV? I don't know. I don't know. We he, don't, we're yeah, talking no, about he went to Oregon. Oregon. He, he, went to Oregon. Tra- he transferred from Bucknell to Oregon. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah transfer. But uh, six seven wing, uh, we had him going like 18th in our mock or something like that. Was it later? Oh, it was much later. We had him going 21st. Oh, I'm looking at someone else. The, uh, the, the aggregation of the, of the eight mocks was, uh, was 18. But I think that, that was McGovern's fault, though. Sure. I had him slotted at 18 and then – the dominoes fell. So one thing, one real quick point I'll make is like Chris Vernon from the ringers when making this point is like one thing that's every mock draft has in common is that they're all wrong. They're all wrong. Not only (laughs) this one, not only about who they pick, but like who should be selected. 
and like guys big boards are always wrong like you go back and look through any draft and you're just like what were they thinking and and you just go through this and you wonder like who are the guys who are going to be like <laughs> making us say what were we thinking but um yeah like this this average of the eight mock drafts like i wouldn't the thing is like we can't put too much stock in it like the the consensus opinion or the group think opinion is is just so rarely right that uh I don't know. I, draft is my favorite time of year. I, I love just the narratives, the the trades, the drama. It's 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 gonna be great. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'll, we live. We should live pod this thing. I'm I'm down. But I'm uh, gonna be I'm gonna be at a bar. Um, I'll also be at that bar because Kenny organized the party during the NBA draft. Yeah, I didn't, have draft. I didn't have the draft on my calendar when I when I was <laughs> thinking about this. All right, guys, uh, we should probably wrap this up. But Jake, you and me, we'll live pod it. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll probably be at a bar. No, no reason, but I'll probably be at a bar. Um, no, I I think that was good stuff, guys. And I I we're we're draft junkies, and there's there's a whole cult of draft junkies out there. So hope hope you enjoyed this. If this got to your ears, share it with a friend. Maybe not. Um, we if we get some of the talk and Nick uh, kind of hangover listeners to this, we're we're gonna start coming out with some Nick stuff soon. So unless anyone's got anything else, we appreciate y'all. Go, go, go the draft. Go Knicks. Go Knicks. Good to be back. <laughs>